five, four, three, two, one. Oof! Energized Mixed Martial Arts Show, it is back. If you are new to the Energized Podcast, you are more than welcome. And if you're a returning Energized listener, welcome back to the show. So it's your boy Ross, over here in London, running solo, yet again. And what a week of fight news we had. So, before I get in to all things UFC 225 in Chicago, I have some other things to discuss. Like, a certain Ronda Rousey. Being inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. One of Barry and I's energised podcast alumni had a fight this weekend. And there were a few special guests at the fights. All the boxing news from Tyson Fury's big return. And much, much more. So we're going to start off with news that broke over the weekend. Ronda Rousey is going to be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. She will be the first ever female inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. And you know what? She was more than deserving. Now, some people have said with the news breaking that it was too soon. She might come back and fight again. They were sort of the major arguments against her going into the Hall of Fame. But she's come out. She said she's retired. She's never going to fight again. She was the first ever woman to fight in the UFC. She was the first ever UFC female champion. She had... I think she still has the most UFC title defences. It's between herself and Joanna and Jacek. She single-handedly brought... Female mixed martial arts to the UFC. I don't think there's been a more polarizing figure in UFC history than Ronda Rousey, including Conor McGregor. The doors Ronda Rousey opened for other mixed martial artists and for females in fighting was absolutely incredible. Not only that, she was actually a fierce competitor as well. She won every single one of her fights by finish. Misha Tate was the only person who took her out of the first round, as far as I remember, in terms of wins that Ronda had. And yes, her career did not end too well. She got the head kick from Holly Holm, and then Amanda Nunes basically assaulted her for 60 seconds, and she lost that fight as well. But... Those two losses don't really define her, define her career. And I know a lot of people give her a lot of shit because the way she handled her two losses. But if you think about the grand scheme of things, I think of why some gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. She put women's mixed martial arts on the map. And if anyone actually deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, it's her. And I'm not just saying that. 
in general, I mean like male and female, she's one of the pioneers of the sport, especially for the women. And yeah, she might not have the best personality, but in terms of what she's achieved, her success, and her capabilities in fighting, whether you love her or hate her, she looked unstoppable at one stage. And that's just a matter of fact. And what more can I say? Very well deserving. Congratulations, Ronda Rousey, UFC Hall of Fame. I'm sure there'll be many others. Um, I'm sure Michael Bisping will get in there at some stage as well. Um, so, congrats to Ronda Rousey. Also at the weekend, we had Brave, I think it was 13, on Open Belfast. And our mate, Energized Podcast alumni, King Cowley, won in the first round. So, big shout out and congrats to our boy, Keen. Now, I'm just going to put this on the record. First of all, any fighter who has ever gone on the Energized Podcast has won their next fight. Also, fighters who have been on the Energized Podcast are undefeated since coming on the Energized Podcast. And also, if you remember from when Keen was on the Energized Podcast, which you can still go back and listen to that episode. I'd highly recommend it. I actually did say to Keen, many great fighters lost their first fight and went on to have very successful careers. So Keen, if you're listening, which you very well could be, congratulations. But that's not the biggest thing going on this week in Keen's life, I wouldn't imagine. Because himself... And a certain notorious Conor McGregor. Who was up at the fights to support his friend Keane. Which is great to see. Have a court date over in New York on the 14th of June. They're being trialled for assault maybe I think it is. And property damage. They're obviously not the exact legal terms. But that's what they're up in court for. So to be honest. I hope things go well for the two lads. I hope they don't get anything too serious. Because at the end of the day, yeah, what they did was wrong. Yeah, you shouldn't be throwing stuff at buses. But no one got seriously injured. A bit of glass went in someone's face. Someone injured their hand. Yada, yada. It's the fight game. These things happen. Also, Conor McGregor actually met Amir Khan up at the Brave fighting. I wonder what their conversation was like. I loved being a fly on the wall and see what happened between them because that would be a very interesting chat. A 100% guarantee you, Amir Khan definitely offered to fight Conor McGregor in some form, one way or another. Also, in terms of the boxing world, luckily I held off to this podcast late on on Monday evening because Deontay Wilder has agreed to fight Anthony Joshua in the UK. Now, he did say the £50 million offer sit on the table for Anthony Joshua to come over and fight in the US. But while they're agreeing to fight Joshua in the UK, means we're one step closer 
they're having the biggest heavyweight fight in the history of boxing. I'm talking bigger than Rumble in the Jungle. I'm talking bigger than Lewis Tyson. I'm going to tell you why. The way social media works nowadays. And the polarizing figure AJ and Deontay Wilder are. This fight will be the biggest. It will probably be the largest pay-per-view draw in boxing history. Both men are undefeated. Both men have a seriously large amount of knockouts. Deontay Wilder is actually closing in on Floyd Mayweather's record as well. I think he's 43-0 with 42 knockouts. Very impressive guys. And not only to add to that, Tyson Fury returned at the weekend. And he beat some fella who was way smaller than him. In the fourth round, his corner thrown as hell. I'd say there was a solid eight inches in the difference in height-wise. They did like some funny face-offs there. Also, with the Tyson Fury fight, which, by the way, wasn't a very good fight. Fight brought out, broke out in the crowd. About like ten rows back. A massive brawl erupted. And in the middle of the fight, Fury actually stopped fighting your man. And started looking at the crowd. It was... Bizarre scenes to say none least. But how can you not be excited for boxing right now as well? We also have Michael Conlon fighting, doing his return fight home on the 30th of June up in Belfast. Boxing is booming. And us on the Energize podcast, we love a bit of boxing. I know we call it the mixed martial arts show, but boxing is important martial arts. That's not to be forgotten. So mixed martial arts and boxing are booming. And we're loving it. Also on that note, Tony Bellew then called out Tyson Fury. Said he'd like to fight him next. And Tyson Fury completely outsized Tony Bellew. But if I was ever going to watch someone beat the crap out of Tony Bellew, it'd just be Tyson Fury... More so, I want to see the press conferences. I want to see those two go back and forth on the mic. Now, that would be highly entertaining. Before getting into all things UFC 225, there are two pieces of news I want to bring up. Both are Dana White related pieces of news. The first was Dana White saying that both Brock Lesnar and John Jones. Are interested in a super fight against each other. Now, this will be incredible because I think it sort of goes coincides with Steve Miocic fighting DC. So it's almost a bit like last week's episode where I talked about Khabib, Connor, GSP, and Diaz. That little t- semi final bracket tournament, but this one as well. DC for Stipe, John Jones versus Brock Lesnar, the winners to fight each other. I'm going to say preferably at heavyweight. Because we don't need no one cutting weight for these guys. I would happily see them fight at heavyweight. That obviously, when I say I don't want to see anyone cutting weight, I don't even see DC versus John Jones at light heavyweight. Also, because John Jones. Has beaten DC both times light heavyweight. DC's actually undefeated at heavyweight. So that could actually offer a new 
trigger and a new insight to that feud if they fight at a new weight class where DC is undefeated. They put a different spin on the fight. And while we're on the topic, now we're going to discuss weigh-ins. And there's no better time to get into talking weigh-ins than talking UFC 225. Because Dana White, prior to UFC 225, said that he was going to move the weigh-ins, well, the early weigh-in times, to 4pm weigh-ins back when they used to be. And to me, it's not really that big of a deal. But a lot of the fighters were very much so against it. Some fighters like Eddie Alvarez was very vocal about it, very against it. Michael Chiesa very against it, Aljamain Sterling. But Dana White being Dana White just said, oh, I don't know, I spoke to most fighters and they all agree with me. Yet not one fighter on Twitter or Instagram said that they thought it was good to move it back to 4pm. So, I don't know where Dana White or which fighters he was talking to, but none of them were being vocal about it. So the weigh-ins are going to move back. So we can't really get into UFC 225 without talking about Yoel Romero. Yoel Romero showed up at the initial weigh-ins, weighed in on 186 pounds. Now, if this was a regular middleweight bout, That'd be completely fine. But because this was a title fight, he has to weigh in on championship weight. And I saw so many people write online saying, oh, but it's only 0.2 pounds. Well, now just forget about it and fight for the title. Yada, yada, yada. It's like a legal thing. It's You're contractually obliged to make the weight. You can't fight for the title unless you weigh the exact weight. That's the way it works. There's no... UFC can't just wave a magic wand and say, oh, forget about the 0.2 pounds, that's it. However, Yoel Romero has a massive grievance here with the Illinois, aka the Chicago State Athletic Commission. Because after Yoel missed weight the first time, weighed in 186 pounds, he was then told he had two hours to go cut the weight. So, Yoel Romero... Went off with his team. And then an hour later, he was actually summoned by the Illinois State Athletic Commission and told he had to weigh in then. So he never got the two full hours. Now, Dana White and co. looked into this and I don't know what the overall final opinion on it is, but at the end of the day, when he weighed in for the second time, he weighed 185.2 pounds. So... It wasn't going to be a title fight anymore. We ended up having a non-title five-round main event between Yoel Romero and Robert Whitaker. I'll talk about the fight at the end, but very unfortunate circumstances. Very unfortunate for the card, very unfortunate for the fighters. But a fair play for Robert Whitaker taking the fight anyway. Because, in fairness, people say he have nothing to lose because he didn't lose his belt, but it would be very strange... If he lost. And then. Kept the belt. Because. That's not a very common occurrence. In mixed martial arts. For the champion to lose to a contender. And then keep the belt. Alright. Time to get into the card. First of all. What a card. Chicago was a great sports city. 
And great city for hosting events, sports events, obviously. Like, Chicago has the Cubs, the Blackhawks, the Bears, and the Bulls. Really, really good sports franchises over there. Um, the United Center is a hopping venue. You can actually hear the crowd very loud throughout the entire night, which is great to see because obviously being Irish and the way the Dublin fans went nuts when it was over here in Dublin, we have very high expectations of crowds and they really, really lived up to it. Um, interesting, interesting fight, uh, night of fights, especially considering all the pay-per-view fights went the distance. It was still considered to be a great night of fights. So, as always, I'm going to start down towards the bottom of the card and work my way up. <coughs> First person who was very, very impressive, uh, performance of the night uh, bonus as well, was Charles Oliveira. He actually uh, choked Clay Weed out in the first round. I wasn't actually really expecting this at all, because especially with a guillotine choke, just due to the fact that Clay Weeda now trains out Team Alpha Male, and they're notoriously known for the guillotine choke. So for him to get caught by Charles Oliveira, especially being such a veteran in a guillotine choke, is almost a bit sloppy on Clay Weeda's behalf. But Charles Oliveira is a very, very high-level black belt in jiu-jitsu. So seeing him caught by him, maybe is semi-understandable, but for me, not too keen on it. I'd like to see Charles Oliveira get back in there against maybe uh, Alex Hernandez. As far as I'm aware, he knocked out Benil Dariush in his last fight with an elbow. So he did it very early in the fight as well. I think it was an under minute. So I'd like to see Charles Oliveira get in there against someone like him and see if uh, Hernandez got what it takes. Then we have me and Barry's boy, Joseph Benavides. He lost his decision, a split decision nonetheless, to Sergio Pettis. Obviously, Anthony Pettis' brother. Which is a massive coup for Sergio Pettis. Now, I, I know Joseph Benavides has been off for a very, very long time. Also, Joey, what are you doing with the hair? This comes from someone who knows. Doing your hair blonde. It's so. 2017, bro. 2018 now. That was last year's trend that I said. I know you met me. And I was a big inspiration to you. And Megan was like sort of flirting me when she met me and I had the blonde hair. But man, you're better than that. You don't need to copy me to look cool. Don't have your hair blonde. Dye it back the way it should be. The flyweight division is quite interesting at the moment because... Demetrius Johnson has just been booked to fight Henry Cejudo at UFC 227. And Sergio Pettis is basically the in line. But he's probably going to have to fight someone else in between. So I think he should probably fight Hussier Formiga. Sort of top Brazilian flyweight. Hussier Formiga was actually known as the best flyweight in the world. Between himself and Ian McCall prior to UFC having a flyweight division. And obviously once it was established, Demetrius Johnson, as, which is actually incredible to say, has been the only ever UFC flyweight champion. So, 
ready to see. Pettis is either going to wait out for UFC 227 and fight the winner there, although he's already lost to Henry Cejudo, or obviously if Cejudo wins, it'll probably be a rematch with DJ, just because that'll be a rubber match as well. But if DJ wins, they'll probably wait out for Sergio, probably wait out, or unless he fights Husser Formiga on the UFC 227 card. I think Joseph Benavidez should go back to the drawing board and go a good bit further down the card and maybe fight like a Ben and Gwyn, aka Ben 10 or whatever you want to call him. Just because he's been off for a while, so maybe give him a chance to ease back in and give him like a quite beatable opponent. But uh, our boy Joey B, he'll get back on that horse. No bother. Don't doubt him for a second. Then we had... A couple of one-two light heavyweights getting in there. Anthony Smith, Lionheart, defeated Rashad Evans in the first round in under a minute with an absolute vicious knee. Anthony Smith looks much better at light heavyweight than he does at middleweight. He was far larger than Rashad Evans, from what I saw anyway. And he's going to be a real force to be reckoned with. He might even knock out the newly crowned Number 15 in the light heavyweight ranking, Sam Alvey. I think that's who he should fight next as well. I'll be very, very interested to see him fight Sam Alvey. Or maybe even Dominic Reyes. Anthony Smith looks great. Rashad Evans. He needs to go. He needs to retire. I think he's lost his last five fights in a row. Dana White apparently sat him down and had the chat with him. He's doing the analyst job on UFC quite a bit. And the more he gets knocked out, the more he gets bashed in his face. The less intelligent he's going to be. And the less people are going to want to see him on TV. Because if he keeps getting knocked out, he's going to be less coherent. So, Rashad, hang up the gloves. Wear the suit. Do your talking. Also, he's doing a ramp movie with Rampage there recently. So, hopefully, Rashad is moving more into a media world than an actual fighting world. Because no one needs to see Rashad Evans get knocked out one more time. We also saw Chris De La Rocha knock out Rashad Calder in the second round in a heavyweight bout. Chris De La Rocha just looks like someone's da. I think he's 39. Um, I don't see a bright future from the UFC. And I'd say Rashad Calder's going to get caught now. Because I think that's his second or third loss in a row. Um, Mursa Bektic. Big win for him. I actually called it that he actually would beat uh, Ricardo Lamas. So, great win for him. Uh, especially after coming off his loss uh, Darren, the damage Elkins. And we all remember Mursa Bektic said he was mauling Elkins for two and a half rounds. Elkins turned around, head kick. Next thing you know, Bektic is in a, a puddle on the ground, getting pummeled by the damage. So where is Bektic sort of go from here? Who knows? Um, if I had to guess, Bektic can move up as high as fighting Frankie Edgar. Edgar needs an opponent and... Bechtich is another up-and-comer going to try and rob Frank Edgar's spot. Don't be surprised to see it. It would be a great fight. But I would have to go with Frank Edgar if they do fight there next. We then had a women's strawweight title fight. No, not title fight. Just fight. Between Basmos, favourite woman's fighter, Claudia Cadelia, and the cookie monster, Carlos Barza. And this was a very close fight. 
Carlos Barza put a much better fight than most people thought. And you could actually make the argument for Carlos Barza actually winning the fight. There was also a weird, awkward moment at the end of the fight where Claudio Gadelia was doing the interview afterwards. And the crowd were booing. And she was saying, oh, don't boo Carla. She's great. But the fans are, I actually think were booing the decision. That I actually think thought that Carla should have won. So, Claudia is going to probably... I wouldn't be surprised to hear if, like, uh, Karolina Kolkovchevich, which is not great for me to say because I hate saying her name. I know they fought already, but they're sort of both in no man's land at the upper echelon there. Unless Claudia wants to move to £125, which is also a feasible move as well. Uh, Carla, I think she's going to stay in the strawweight division. She's looking really, really good at 115. She's really starting to put her game back together. And I wouldn't be surprised if she fought Michelle Waterson next. That'd be a fight that I'd be really interested in seeing. And it makes sense for both of them as well. Because they're both coming off losses. So why not put them up in a matchup against each other. Then we had the prelims main event. Where Curtis Blades absolutely opened a can of whoop-ass on Alistair Overeem. Now, this fight actually didn't have a lot going for it until the third round. Blades took down the ream, and he absolutely smashed him with elbows. These elbows were absolutely vicious. Overeem got opened up like a can of tuna in Barry Moore's lunch. He smashed him. And... But prior to that, Blades did get rocked at one stage. But I almost think it's good that Blades got rocked. Showed his capabilities of coming back. He's probably the most impressive heavyweight. Not named Steve Miocic in the division right now. And if it wasn't for UFC 226, I could actually see Blades being next in line for a title fight. Now that UFC 226 has some of the best heavyweights boxed off, Stipe's going to fight DC, Francis Ngannou's going to fight Derek Lewis, I think Blades should actually try and fight Alexander Volkov, I'd be very interested to see that, Volkov recently knocked out Fabrizio Verdum, Verdum currently pissed hot, Mark Hunt I think is going to fight Alianenuk, I hate saying his name, and I don't want to see um, Taitui Vasa versus Curtis Blades just yet, because I think that will knock off a contender on the up and up. Unless he holds out and fights the winner of Junior DeSantos versus Ivanov, who are going to headline the UFC Boise card, if I'm not mistaken. So, Curse Blades is looking phenomenal right now, and he's probably the best heavyweight prospect. I don't even know if you can call him a prospect right now, because he's currently a contender, but Curse Blades. Very impressive. And slick haircut as well. He's doing a good job making sure he's noticeable. Then, moving on to the main card. We have Mike Jackson versus CM Punk. Now, I was a bit speechless when I watched this fight. Because the, the level of mixed martial arts watching this fight was so low. It was actually frightening. I must say, it was very, very evident that Mike Jackson had some good boxing skills on CM Punk. He just looked terribly sloppy on the on the feet. I always call him CM Drunk 
He just looked like he was in a drunken ball, brawl. And would someone have not like told him to cut his hair or done something with his hair? His hair was like constantly in his face. And he was constantly like pushing the hair out of his eyes. Just He looked so sloppy, he was so amateurish, CM Punk. Wasn't in very good shape. Fatigued very early. Never once threatened Mike Jackson or anything. And then Mike Jackson was getting absolute slating from Damon White because all he kept him doing was making fun of CM Punk as he was fighting him. And he didn't actually go for the finish. Mike Jackson went in there, sl- smashed CM Punk in the first round, got a highlight finish, and then he would have been replayed over and over again. He was doing this thing where he was like punching him and not looking at him. And it was all one big embarrassment. There's a long pause there because I'm almost speechless with it. CM Punk, just retire. You're 39. No one wants to see that again. If CM Punk fights again, I want to see him fight. I'm trying to think. Johnny Hendricks, somebody who's going in there and just like knock his head off and be like, right, that's it. I think if CM Punk's going to, if he insists on fighting again, I want to see him fight somebody who's going to knock him out. I'm like, right, now he knows. Because he's too stubborn. And not good enough. Then we had a very unexpected heavyweight title or heavyweight fight. I keep on saying title, I don't know why. Probably because it's late. We had a very unexpected heavyweight battle and brawl, one might even say, between Tai Chu Ivasa and Andre Arlovsky. Andre Arlovsky is currently on one of the best career resurgences I think I've ever seen in my entire life. I think his last four fights in a row have all gone to decision. And he's fought Taichu Ivasa. He's fought Junior Albany. He's fought Stefan Struve. And I think the other one was Marcin Tabura. So for someone who's considered have a suspect chin. Yes, I'm actually doing air quotes there. Um, for someone to say that Arlovsky's career is over with. He looked phenomenal again. His boxing is so good. His footwork is so good. He's after moving camp to AT&T with Mike Brown. and He just looks absolutely brilliant. I'm not going to lie. For somebody who's as old as Arlovsky is, his footwork is incredible. He was out boxing tied to Ivasa. Yes, he did get dropped once or twice. But for someone who so many people have written off, he looks great. Also, Taito Ivasa never been out of the first round in the UFC. Went the distance. Showed he had cardio. Did a celebration, which is a shoey. And if those of you who don't know what a shoey is, you get someone's shoe, you pour his beer into it, and then like people spit in it, and then you drink it. Absolutely vile. Vile celebration. Like You never catch me doing that. But he is what it is. Like It sort of adds to his character. Like Reebok even made him a... A shoey shirt. Um, you'd have to pay me an outrageous amount of money to do a shoey. Also, he was on the countdown show and he just cursed so much. I wasn't actually a massive fan of it. But at the end of the day, he's only 25 and he looks like a serious prospect in the heavyweight division. If I was thinking who to match these guys up with next, I'd almost do Taizu Ivasa and. Why not Struve? I, I know Struve. Recently lost to Arlovsky, but he's sort of also. It's not like I said with um, Curse Blades, there's not that many people to match him up with. 
And then Arlovsky, I almost think he should fight that guy Shamil Akhmadov, the fella basically who Derek Lewis fought in that uh, heavyweight fight. If people remember that, I think that was in UFC Albany. I think that's who Arlovsky should fight. Why not? I didn't actually say who Mike Jackson and CM Punk should fight because I don't care who they fight. Then we had Holly Holm fight uh, Megan Anderson. Megan Anderson was the, actually the only Australian who lost on on this night of fights. Uh, Holly Holm just looked better. She was just better at every facet of the game than Megan Anderson. Megan Anderson actually looked quite decent on feet. She hurt Holly Holm a few times. Um, but once the fight hit the ground, Holly Holm was a different level. Who knew Holly Holmes' grappling was that good? Or Megan Anderson maybe just his grappling was that bad. In Australia, they have this phrase, shark in the water. Well, Megan Anderson looked like a shark out of the water. As soon as the fight hit the ground, Holly Holmes got in the full mount and just absolutely pummeled on her. Megan Anderson's legs are actually so long, she got them all the way back up and like tried to like reverse the position, but it never really worked for her. Holly Holmes, great fight. I can't believe, she, I think she's two and four in her last six fights. I could be wrong, but that seems about right. I remember she lost to Shevchenko. She lost to Cyborg. She lost to Misha Tate. She had a win in between um, against Beth Cohea. And then she lost to Dranmi as well in the featherweight belt. belt. So I think she's two and four after beating Megan Anderson. <clears throat> and yet, she's the number one contender for the bantamweight and the featherweight division in women's. So, great to see Holly Holm back on top because she's an interesting opponent for both Amanda Nunes and then not many people are willing to get into the Oxcom Cyborg. So, if Holly Holm's willing, well then, I'm willing to watch it again. I'm not against watching it, but I think it'll be a similar result this time around. Then we had... Chaos, Colby Covington, defeated Ordi 8. And I just want to go back to Holly Holm for a second. I think she should actually fight Amanda Nunes, not Cyborg. I just wanted to say that aloud. And then the winner of that should fight Cyborg. Home versus Nunes. So Colby Covington then went and beat Ordi 8 by unanimous decision. And there's nothing controversial about this. Colby Covington looked great. He really pushed the f- pace. He showed good boxing. His wrestling was fantastic. But there were moments of weakness in there as well. Where RDA did catch Covington with some good shots. And he actually took down Covington once or twice. So going forward against a Woody fight. Which we'll get to in a minute. I'm not too hopeful for him. But this was a fantastic performance. Because RDA has looked like a beast since going up 170. Like, he ran through Magny, he beat Safdeen very convincingly, and he just beat up Robbie Dollar. So, can't take anything away from RDA or what Covington did here. Um, in terms of RDA, he might as well just fight Wonderboy next. Wonderboy lost to Till, RDA lost to Covington. Why not match those two up against each other? Or maybe I wouldn't actually be against RDA versus Masvidal. Because Masvidal is actually training partners with Colby Covington. So therefore, it can almost be like a revenge. 
the more I think about it, I think I'd actually rather see that. Also, those two in a five-round main event could be a five-year contender. Now, Kobe Chaos Covington, and that's what he is, chaos. Wherever he goes, he just brings chaos. He went, he won, he told the world that he wants to bring his UFC interim, interim welterweight belt, which he calls the real belt, to the Oval Office. He wants to go meet Trump with the belt. And Dana White actually said afterwards he can make that happen. But for me, the highlight of this was afterwards. Colby Covington went on UFC on Fox and had a back and forth with Michael Bisping. And if you haven't seen the back and forth between Michael Bisping and Colby Covington, you have to, have to watch it. It was so, so funny. It just made me realise that Colby Covington's shtick is so rehearsed. Now, he does a really good job of it. Don't get me wrong. He really annoys a lot of people. But it's so rehearsed. When he's actually having a verbal back and forth with someone, he's actually dreadful. And obviously, Michael Bisping is very good. He's quick-witted. And Michael Bisping actually destroyed him. He made a show of him. He was like, you're wearing sunglasses. You look stupid. And then Colby Covington was like, eh, good one. So, you have to watch that. And in terms of Covington versus Woodley, I think Woodley's too smart, too explosive, too much power, too good wrestling defense. I just don't see where Covington's going to give him trouble. Unless cardio plays a factor. Because one thing I will say is Kobe Covington's cardio looked fantastic. And in terms of UFC welterweights, I don't think I've seen anyone push the pace as well as Kobe Covington did. So if you can get Woody into deep waters, maybe you can get a decision against him. But I don't see him getting a finish. And if I'm totally honest, I don't see him beating him at all. Woodley at 170 looks unstoppable. And he's so large at 170 as well. I wouldn't mind seeing Woodley go up to 185. So speaking of 185. Moving on to the main event of the evening. Our mate. Me and Barry's mate. Bobby Nux. Robert Whitaker, Defeated Yoel Romero. By a split decision. Now I'm not going to lie. I don't agree with this decision. I actually scored it a draw. And if it wasn't going to be a draw, I had to have a winner, a go with Romero. I find it fascinating that Romero dropped Whitaker three times in the fight and then lost a split decision. For me, Romero was so much closer to finishing him. He... That fifth round, how none of the judges scored a 10 I find it mind-boggling. He was absolutely all over him. Whitaker got no offense in. I don't, I don't really know what to say about it. If you think it was a 10-9 and don't think it was 10-8, let us know in the comments on Instagram. Because me personally, that was www.10-8.com forward slash Joel Romero. So obviously Yoel Romero didn't make way for the fight, so it wasn't a title fight. It would have been very strange if Yoel Romero had actually won this fight. I have a feeling that the judges were leaning towards Whitaker prior to the fight. That's just my personal opinion. I could be wrong. But I personally had Yoel Romero win this fight. 48-46, actually, if I think about it. 
because I would actually give Whitaker two rounds and then 10-8. So I actually had three rounds to Romero anyway. And for someone who has issues with his cardio or apparent issues with cardio, which I even said in the last podcast, he does look get slowed down a lot in the last few rounds. He still manages to go, out, go in and win the lot of rounds, which is very impressive considering Robert Whitaker is has much better cardio. He was known for his cardio because it was the opposite in the last fight. Romero looked good in the first two rounds and then Whitaker went and won the last couple. So, very, very impressive by Whitaker as well considering he broke his thumb in the first or second round and then fought the last few rounds basically one-handed. Overall, probably the fight of the year. Great fight. Plenty back and forth. Both cracked each other. Yola Romero's eye was like fully closed over at one stage. Obviously, Whitaker got dropped three times. Very exciting back and forth. I think if we're going to say where we're going to go next with the guys, if Yola Romero has to move up to 205, I think he should fight Alexander Gustafsson and it should be like almost like a title eliminator waiting for Cormier to come back to UFC or waiting for Cormier to fight a UFC 226 and come back to the light heavyweight division. If he's going to stay at middleweight, I think they do Romero, Jack Ray too. I'd be very, very interested in seeing that. In terms of Robert Whitaker, he's going to be out for a while. Um, depending on how long he's going to be out for, realistically, he has two options. He could fight Kelvin Gastelum, who just recently beat former champion Michael Bisping and Jack Ray Souza. Or you fight Chris Wyman, who his last win was against Kelvin Gaslam, and he's a former UFC middleweight champion. For me personally, I go with Gaslam. He's more active. I think he's more deserving. But I wouldn't be surprised because Dana White's tight with Chris Wyman. Also, Kelvin Gaslam was supposed to be the backup for this fight. Some sort of personal issues. He wasn't there to do it. I'm not too sure what the story with that is. But if I'm honest. I think UFC will probably go with Wyman just because he's friends with Dana White and former UFC middleweight champion. It's sort of an easier sell, in my opinion, anyway. So, there you have it. UFC 225 recapped. Next uh, UFC will be UFC Singapore. It will be our mate again, Leon Edwards, fighting Donald Cowboy. Yeah! Cerrone. In the main event, I will break that down next week for you guys. So, guys, if you did like the show, give five stars on iTunes. Give the heart on SoundCloud. Tell a mate. Share it on WhatsApp. Give us a shout on Instagram stories. We'll give you one back. And as always, stay energized.